Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today. This is your first podcast too, right? This it is. is. The first one yet that it you've is. been on. Cool. And uh, so today we got Mr. Jeff Seralt, Keller Williams, real estate agent extraordinaire. So uh, tell us about yourself. Tell, like, introduce yourself. Tell us uh, something interesting about you as well. I've been in real estate with the same company at Keller Williams for 12 years now, since 2011. Uh, the year I got licensed was two years after a huge correction. So uh, interestingly enough, this is my first down market I think I've ever seen. Every, ever since I've been licensed, it's been price increases every single year. And so now it's just a, it's kind of a weird pivot to talk to sellers and say, you know, if you've been paying attention, you get a bigger house for less money over the last year. So um, that's top of mind just because I just left a listing appointment out in Woodland where I grew up. And uh, it's a childhood friend of my parents that I was visiting with. So, yeah, um, they said, I wish I would have sold a year and a half ago. And I said, I bet you do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, mm -hmm. now you have a great opportunity to, you know, they have their next place all lined up. So we're talking about how they're selling their house right now. And that was something I noticed is the conversation is a little different right now. Um, as you know, interest rates are really high compared to how they have been in the what? last few years. So, <laughs> yeah. when did that happen? Yeah, twenty months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what's interesting these days is the the conversation with sellers is is talking about how prices are coming down and you want to be ahead of that, not price it too high. You'll just sit on the market. So um, first down market is first the first down, down market. market for me. Yep. yep. Ever since I've been licensed, it was started out with short sales and foreclosures everywhere. Now you never see a short sale, and every once in a while you'll see a foreclosure. Right. Probably going to see more of those. I, I think would, so. I would imagine. I think so. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Like we're going to, in fact, I see the NDS or the, you know, the list come out, you know, bank owned. NDS is notice of default. Notice, NOD, yeah, NOD list, yeah. Yep. I see that list come out on a pretty regular basis. I noticed that the it's getting longer. Every couple months it seems to get a little bit longer, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think there's going to be some people that are maybe buying houses that bought in the last year that maybe they're in trouble now. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, lost their job, whatever. Yep. And yeah. You we'll can't start sell for that. what you bought it for. Uh, not now. No. Not now. Uh, so first, so you got into real estate 12 years ago. What did you do previously? Uh, I was knocking doors for a home improvement company and then managing my fellow door knockers as well. Uh, I did that for two and a half years. 40 hours a week, rain, snow, sun, all year long. I was pretty punishing, but I, I learned a lot of tough skin and sales skills that, that translated really well to real estate. And yeah. uh, I got to know the neighborhoods firsthand, obviously, pounding the pavement. And I would say that's one of my only things I won't do to lead generate is to go and knock doors for, <laughs> for leads. I've, I've tried it and it's just like a PTSD thing, I think. It's just not for me, but. Not anymore? Yeah. Not even if you're doing an open house? Not even if I'm doing an open house. Really? I really don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. Uh, well, I'll do it if I have to, but... Well, it's because you don't like it. You don't like somebody knocking on your door, right? I have sympathy for them. I, I gently tell them off because I've been there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge to knock on someone's door that you don't know and try to get them to like you in the first 10 seconds. Right. And, you know, but yeah, it's... It translated well to real estate, I think. I, I feel like I had a, an advantage when I became a realtor in that I'm not afraid to talk to strangers. Yep. And, yeah. And so you joined a team first? 
I did. So okay. I started out solo, and for six months, I, I didn't have a lot of momentum built up, and I just got tired of it. And I, I joined a team, and I, I took off right away. I was selling 20 to 30 houses a year, and I maintained that speed on as a solo agent as well. Um, but yeah, I was on a team for a year and a half, and I learned a lot how to be more professional. I was definitely needed a haircut, in, <laughs> yeah. in, in, so to speak. Um, Figuratively. Yeah, so shout out to Ken Rosengren. He's, he's a great mentor. He's still running a team, and uh, I, I learned a lot from that guy. He's awesome. Yeah, so I work a lot with Ken. He's, he's a solid dude. Yep. He just had knee surgery, too. So just getting up poor there. guy. <laughs> poor guy. Uh, so see first so first down market uh what what's your production level this year compared to last is it is it is it really that bad or is it one of those where yeah you're hanging on um so i am i I'm, i would say i'm on pace almost i'm not quite what i usually would have closed um my best months ever throughout my career have been between april and july um, some of those months I've sold seven and eight houses in a month, which is amazing for a solo agent. Um, I think year to date, I'm at eight closings and now we're in September. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely behind a, a normal pace. Yeah. Um, and a lot of other realtors right now are struggling. I know mortgage officers are too. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we're on the struggling subject, like commercial real estate is really, you know, a lot of vacancies out there too. So that'd be something we should talk about too. Um, but yeah, I'm def- I'm behind pace, but I'm, I've got some good stuff going right now. I've got good listings out there. I've got a few pending deals right now that I'm happy to have. You now have a pre-approved buyer because they just met with me this morning. That's right. We got them approved. <laughs> so, that's awesome. So who is buying houses now? Maybe that's a good question for you too, Devin. Like, sure. Who's, who's buying houses right now? So there's still a lot of first-time home buyers out there that are, um, you know, wanting to lock in a payment right now, knowing that ever since I've gotten to the market. Rents have gone up every year, every year, every year, and yeah. they just keep going, going, going. So they'll take that, you know, I know it's two grand a month for rent. I know it's three grand a month for the home right now, but I have enough, you know, foresight to see that five years from now, it'll be four grand a month rent, and that three grand a month payment will look really nice to have. And so there's still a lot of people that are, that are thinking that way, and like, I, I just need to get in while I can, right? you know, because I don't know when this is going to stop. So even though there are some price reductions coming out, we're still 6.5 million homes short of the demand in the U.S. right now. The only reason that they are where they are is because of the interest rates right now. If the interest rates were lower, it, there would not be any price reductions anywhere I mean, or any of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what we're seeing is, is you have this weird timing right now where because rates are so high, it makes payments so high, which makes things unaffordable. It, it, it's keeping the prices where they're at or slightly coming down just be, for simply because of for affordability. Right. But rates are going to, they're projected to come down next year, like Q2 of 2024. They're right. supposed to come start coming down significantly. Well, if they do, I mean, again, that can change between now and then, but if they do start coming down, what's that going to do? It's going to start... Flood the market with buyers. Yes. So prices are then going to do what? Go up. Yes. Inventory is going to do what? Yes. Go down. Go down. And so, <laughs> so the people that have, you know, the ability to see the future a little bit are thinking, you know... I know it's not ideal right now, but I can stomach the payment. I don't want to, right? but I, I can. It fits my debt ratios. It fits everything. I'm just going to bite the bullet and get in now while the home prices are 50 or 100 grand cheaper. And then I'm just going to refi when I can, when rates drop. 
And so I'm seeing a lot of that right now. Those are the people that are buying. And then a lot of people that are relocating here still from other areas. Right. And they're coming in with two, three, four hundred thousand dollars down. That helps. A lot of time. And so it's just not as big of a deal, you know. Yep. Your interest rate is not as big of a factor if you have a big down payment. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so is that kind of indicative of what you're seeing out there in the market too? You're seeing buyers coming in, first time home buyers taking the opportunity? There's not a lot of first time home buyers in my sphere right now. Um, the ones that I do run into, like my best friend is buying a house right now. Uh, he has been watching the market for a long time and he just got fed up with renting where he's at. So I think the people that are buying right now, they, in a, they're almost forced to. So mm-hmm. the people that are out there, they're really motivated that are buying is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And, you know, another thing too, like the tax implications for buying a house too. Like, I think a lot of home buyers don't understand, like by renting, you're just kind of tossing that money into the pockets of somebody mm-hmm. else. But now like, that's a lot of interest you're writing off every year, right? It sure is. <laughs> yeah. It sure is. Because obviously they heavily load the front with yeah. the interest over the amortized 30-year period because they know you're going to refinance out of this thing. So they're going to try to make as much as they can by law up front with the interest. So you're going to have a a lot to write off in the beginning. And so that's going to definitely help your taxable income. And obviously, I'm not a CPA, so I can't go into detail on that. But, you know, it is very advantageous to be a homeowner, that's for sure. So when it comes to getting offers accepted now, is it harder now to get an offer accepted? No, if, if you have a buyer that's serious and they write an offer, it's not that hard compared to, I want to say, a year or two ago mm-hmm. when anything priced well was getting between five and ten offers. Mm-hmm. You had to be there on day zero or day one or you right. didn't really have a chance. Um, and let's go back to the taxes. Wasn't there some on the table that was going to eliminate writing off your mortgage interest for the year? I don't think it's happened yet. It has not happened, yeah, because I, I haven't so. seen that happen yet. No. And that's one of the biggest advantages oh. of owning versus renting is writing off. You know, I think I usually have eight to 10 grand at least to write off for my mortgage. And that mm-hmm. really helps, you know, knock, you know, what is that? Two or $3,000 yeah, the right. year that you save yeah. if you're in a 20% tax bracket. Um, so yeah, that's a big thing. But now sure, imagine sure. if you're paying 6%, 7% on yeah. interest, that's going to build gonna up. Compound. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be a good chunk yeah. right off on your taxes at the end Absolutely. of the year. So, so getting offers accepted, is it, is it trickier now? No, it's easier. No, you it don't is. have to give up your inspection. You don't have to put down appraisal coverage in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, when there are five or 10 offers on the table, the seller gets to pick the best one and the best one will cover a low appraisal, but up to X amount of dollars, it's called appraisal coverage. Um, you can say either we waive our home inspection or uh, we'll buy the house in as-is condition. We won't ask for any repairs. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways that you give up some of your uh, your offers amenities as a buyer to make it better. Those aren't happening nearly as much. And in fact, it's the opposite. Sellers are offering ten, fifteen thousand dollars in closing costs off of their list price right. just to buy down the interest rate or uh, do what's called a, a two-one buy down. Yep. Um, why don't you explain a 2-1 buy-down? Yeah, there's a 3-2-1, a 2-1, and a 1-1. There's different terms with the buy-down, but you can essentially, it's a temporary buy-down or, or, or a you know permanent buy-down. So you have one or the other. Well, the 2-1 buy-down that, that Jeff's referring to is the most common one, and, and that is 2% off the first year, 1% off the second year, and then it goes to current market rate. So if rates are at 7%, you're at 5%, then you're at 6%, and then you're at 7 
after that. So the goal is to get the seller to pay that, and roughly 2.5% in closing costs from the seller would cover the 2-1 buy-down. So if they cover that, then the buyer obviously gets the benefit of the lower payment the first year, somewhat of a lower payment the second year, and then market rate. Well, the hope is that in the next one to two years, you're going to be able to refinance out of that anyway. And that's why it's more advantageous to use the seller paid closing costs to do that. Because then if it's if you got a you know a two-year window, and in a year you can strike and get yourself out of that loan, you're going to do it. Boom. But you don't want to waste your money, right? right? So if you have the seller's money, I mean, I don't want to say waste it, but... If you're, you know, have the seller credits and you're using those, it's not as painful for you to exercise that refinance opportunity after a year instead of waiting the two years if the opportunity arises. Gotcha. So we try to get everybody, that's what I coach everybody to the best of my ability to get the two and a half percent seller paid closing costs, use that for your temporary buy down and then they pay their own closing costs. And that way it's just, even if it's just a mental thing, all the money's going to the same pot, but knowing that a year from now, if you want to end up refinancing, it's the seller those funds that you're using right that you know it just even if it's just a mental game it still helps to play the game you know you know what i found is when you're trying to reach a buyer a home buyer and you're trying to explain this two one buy down a lot of them it just it just flies right over their head sure so the way that i explained it is it's gonna it's gonna save you a couple hundred bucks a month in your in your your payment and, and then they're like oh okay yeah we'll, we'll just do that then yeah because <laughs> that's really all buyers want to know right now is like what's my monthly payment going to be if i buy this house right here what's my monthly payment going to be and we can pull the amortization schedule out and break it down and it shows the first 12 months you're saving 400 bucks a month the second 12 months you're saving 200 bucks a month and then you go to the current market rate. So it does break it down for them that way. And I just highlight the 12 month payments and show it to them so you can see yeah. it's gonna gradually go back to where it was, but we're hoping we can refight in somewhere in that two year window. Man, you ever think we'll get down to threes again? No. Ever? <laughs> ever? It would take a pandemic or, you know what I mean? Well, like, we could create another one of those if we wanted to. We could or, create another one. No, no, I think no, there's no. another one coming actually. That's yes, what I heard. No, I don't want it, I don't want it. <laughs> Not worth it. <laughs> so um, I, I don't. I don't think we're going to see it. I just don't. I think with what we've gone through, what we've learned from what we've gone through, I don't think they're going to repeat that. So five is going to be the new norm. Or no, the old norm back to the new norm. Back to the new. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean that's what that was the norm yeah. before. And I remember uh, this is an interview from I heard something from Donald Trump said way before even like the Apprentice days, and he was saying something about borrowing money, and he was like, if you can get money at five percent or less, take it all every day. You know, and that was, I mean, it's free, free money way back in the day. He was like that. You take their money, you know, OPM, other people's money. Yep. That's how you invest. That's how you get. Well, well, that's around 5%. Anything better than that is a slam dunk. You know, we've been at two and a half and 3% and, you know, now, and then it started going up from there. But even at seven, you remember back, I mean, I'm young and I remember, but I was, you know, not buying houses at this time, but 79, 80, 81. Yeah. You know, 11. Carter. No, they got to like 18. Was, oh, wow. I mean, they got like way up there. You know, for a minute when, during the Carter administration. On a $40,000 house. I know. <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah, yeah, income to price ratios were a little bit better back then. Yeah, but for sure. For sure. And uh, I know I remember like watching the Wonder Years and going like somebody with, with one income. Yeah. You know, can have two cars, a house, two kids, put them both through college. You know what I mean? And the wife sitting at home and, you know, those days are gone. 
That's just no. not the way it is here anymore. Now you got to so. have two roommates, maybe yeah. you in the backyard. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, running yeah. one room as an Airbnb. Yep. All right. So you. So if you go to a listing appointment, this is and this is like a totally legitimate question because I think there's a bunch of sellers in this in this area right now where their house is like at three percent. Right. Mm-hmm. So you go and, and they want to sell their house, but now they're going to get out of that three percent mortgage and they're going to be back into a five, six, seven percent mortgage. Like, are there sellers now in that in that market range and that three percent range that are selling their house? Only if they have to. Only if they most have, people. Yeah. I saw a great meme about it the other day. It was uh, talking about how their their starter house is now their forever house, and you're <laughs> you're stuck. Yep. Uh, yeah. But yeah, if if someone is moving out of a, a really low interest rate mortgage like that and hopping into today's market. Uh, it's a sidestep price wise, of course, like home price to home price, you're going to sell at this market and you're going to buy at this market, but the payments can be way higher just because of that interest rate. Interest rate means payment. That's really, you got to get that through your head as a buyer. Um, to answer your question, if they are moving and selling, it's only because they have to, they mm-hmm. either need a bigger house. If they want a smaller house, they don't need to maintain as much anymore yep. or obviously Divorce. job relocation. Mm-hmm. Marriage relocation. Yep. <laughs> Selling two buys, baby. Spouse relocation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Reloc- just they're just changing roommates. Yeah. What they're doing. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Right? Yeah. I like that. Change your roommates. Yeah. So that's that's really the consensus. And uh, the listing appointment I went to today, they're moving because they have a family member hooking them up with a really nice piece, and they're like, okay, sweet, I'm finally ready to move. I've talked to these guys for years now, and. And they're, they finally found an opportunity that they're, they're ready to jump on. And sellers are cool with like the seller paid thing. If they're motivated to sell, I assume like they, they understand the implications of it. And the closing costs for the buyer. Yeah. Yeah. They're the, as long as the bottom line is clear to them, Yep. you know, mm-hmm. so if you're going to sell at eight fifty and you're going to give a buyer 20 grand in closing costs, you're really selling at eight thirty. Okay. And yeah, you're paying commission and excise tax on the 850 number, but it's kind of negligible when you're talking about 20 grand. Right. So uh, yeah, that's what it looks like from a seller's perspective. They just have to digest the new rates. And most of the time, if you're selling, you're going to have a ton of equity. And when you go and buy something with the higher interest rate, you're not going to have a high loan amount because you have a really mm-hmm. large down payment. And the higher interest rates just don't affect that type of buyer as much. Gotcha. All right. Shifting gears away from home buying, home buyers, sellers. Let's talk about, let's talk about Jeff. Because when I met you 10 years ago, it was right around 10 years ago, I remembered, I remembered this clean cut kid, short hair, and then, and then I see Jeff on a video and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not the same guy. So let's talk about, let's talk about the vibe you got going now. Headband, the new the look. Hair, the new, new look. look. <laughs> like, uh, like I dig it. I think I think it's cool. Like, is it? How is it well? Re- is it pretty well received with you? Like your ideal buyer? I don't think people care. They no? they uh, they're not. As long as you don't look homely, yeah. uh, I think they just want to work with somebody that they like that knows what they're talking about. Right. And so um, you know, as long as you're, you could drive up in a '90s Honda Civic, a hoopty, and it really doesn't matter. They just want to hear the words out of your mouth that make sense. Um, so no, it hasn't affected me much. I would say the, the older clients are like, dude, what's with your hair, you know, but most of the time they, they enjoy it. It and, don't matter. And today, like I might, I referenced my appointment again today. She's like, I am so jealous of your hair. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I put water in it and I let it dry. 
<laughs> as am i yeah like, so I, if, if i could grow hair like that i would do it in a heartbeat <laughs> it's super fun i didn't know i had long curly hair well i didn't know i yeah. had curly hair of course um but yeah i just stopped getting haircuts after the pandemic and uh i i liked that it started curling and and my girlfriend at the time liked the mustache so that stuck around um and it, it goes really well in the in the videos you can check out my uh, my channel Soralt properties on youtube Yep. Uh, check out the videos. They're really fun. They are. They're Shout out room. to Josh for the videography on that. He does a really good job. Was sure. it awkward being on camera at first? Did it feel awkward? I was nervous for my first shoot. I was like, what are we going to do? What do I say? And like, it was just, it came natural. And I just started sliding around and being funny. And the way that my videographer puts them all together, it just, you know, it was comedic and it had great reception right away. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of ran with it. No, so. it was, it's genius. It's absolutely genius. I, I think what it, what it does more than anything is it shows like you're a casual, fun and approachable guy. And you know, you, Hey, you can come ask me a question. You're not, you're not the guy in the three piece suit, you know, no, looking, you're a fun guy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then this thing with your eyebrows, that's kind of become your trademark. Too. I've seen you do it a number of times. Yeah. It's, I've tried to replicate it in the mirror a couple <laughs> of times too. And it doesn't, it doesn't have quite the same impact. <laughs> I've been doing that since middle school. I like doing that. You know, people, I, half the time people are like, that's kind of creepy. And the other half are like, dude, that's fucking, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's, it's The people fun. who know you and love you, they think it's awesome. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. And so that's what matters. That's what yeah. matters more than anything. But if you hit yeah. a stranger with a brow beating, they don't know what to think. <laughs> a brow beating. That's awesome. I love that. That's, that's yeah. a great term. Take them on an eyebrow ride. So, uh, so, so, we're, so we're keeping the hair. Uh, I think I'm about ready to donate a wig. Okay. Yeah, that's that's well, been the time. plan the whole time. That's how I justified growing it out was I'm gonna donate a wig, and yeah, it's at the it's at the right length. So I'm wow. about ready to be there. Can you, we got to meet the kid that gets this wig. I know. I know. thought the same. I want to know where it goes. Yeah. I want to see who wears you it. You lasted like, a lot longer than me. I did the beard during the pandemic because I'd never I've done it before. I'm like I'm just gonna see what happens, and I looked like the Unabomber when it was done and my wife was like absolutely not get that thing off your face as soon as possible but I just had never been able to do it before I was like because you know being in a professional setting you just growing it out you go through the stage of looking pretty silly for a minute mm. but I was at home for a year and a half and I was like I'm gonna do it this is my time let's see what happens yeah but as soon as I as, as she wanted to go just like instantly so I hit a certain length I'm like okay okay I'll do it you way outlasted me man you kept the pandemic hair going way longer, so good on so, you. So this pandemic hair, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think I'm at two and a half years. Okay, well, it's time to have some professional photos retaken. I think so, too. I've, yeah. I've been reluctant, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see yeah. which which side wins. So go to your YouTube channel. I see this clean-cut kid, you know, in the little circle. I was like, who's that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, the, the most fun thing was when I first started the new do and no one had seen me and I hadn't posted anything on social media people would walk right by me after they look me in the <laughs> eyes and I had looked them in the eyes and I even smile they just keep walking and I go dude it's me it's Jeff and they go what what the hell yeah they didn't they didn't know me at all because I'd always had a beard for so long and uh, yeah, it was really funny change up. And just the other day, Jeff Kreinbring in the office mm -hmm. did know who I was. Oh, funny. Yeah, because I don't think he's on social media much. <laughs> but yeah, it's it was a really fun thing for me to be incognito. You know, people didn't know who I was. Cool. Uh, so this is kind of like a rebrand almost in a way. In a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it works. I think 
it, it gives you kind of like uh, it makes you stand out. How about that? Yep, people remember the mm-hmm. curly, the dark curly hair <laughs> and, the, and the mustache. So, did that come off of uh, Maverick when you watch Maverick? The mustache? No. Yep. So it was a Fourth of July thing. I uh, that was the last time I had a haircut. I I had somewhat longer hair, and I went to my barber down the street who I've just got my normal haircuts from. And I said, hey, can you do a bullet? And she says, oh, yeah, you know. And she definitely didn't know how to do a mullet. It was a terrible mullet. <laughs> so, I, so I shaved my beard into just the mustache and, like, my terrible mullet. And that was the last time I had a haircut. And uh, my girlfriend at the time loved the mustache. So the mustache stayed, and I just grew the hair out. Cool. And yeah. the mustache staying. So far, yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's a good time. Okay. We well, can't donate that hair, unfortunately. <laughs> the third super eyebrow. <laughs> uh, has, do you feel like it's helped you maybe get more sellers or more buyers or more more, more, more clients? I don't think so. No? No. no. What about the opposite? I don't think so either way. I mean, I'm, neutral. I don't even pay attention. I'm, I'm going for it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And if it does, screw. They're not your yeah. client anyway. That's right. right. Uh, so social media of choice. You, I heard you say social media a couple of times. You have a YouTube channel? I do have a YouTube channel. Um, okay. It's Soralt Properties, Inc. I would say my social media of choice would be Facebook. I've just, for business, it's been uh, it's been amazing because I can, I can reach everybody. You know, like I'll run into people I never talk to and they'll say, dude, I love your videos because they were friends on Facebook and they see what I post. And so uh, I think that Facebook is, is really good for me. Instagram is, is more like a fun side of things for me, but obviously I'll post some business stuff there too. But yeah, Facebook has been really good for, for advertising my listings, advertising the videos I've put out. Um, Building your brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Just um, like little tidbits of open houses I do and stuff like that. Right. Keeps you top of mind. Top of mind, yep. That's the name of the game right there. If you're not staying top of mind, if they're not seeing you on a regular basis, then you might as well not exist. Exactly. Right? So so Facebook, and so you're putting content out periodically. I see, I, I've seen your content. Uh, your puppies are in your content, too. I think that helps mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Cause who doesn't like the doggies? Everybody likes doggies. Weirdos. That's who. Yeah. yeah. I've got a neighbor that doesn't like dogs. She's weird. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if my dog don't like you, then I probably don't like you either. Uh, let's see. I did have another question in here. How are we doing on time? We're at 23. Okay, we're good. Uh, I got a question for you, Devin. Hit it. So you're coaching your buyers through a 2-1 buy-down. You're coaching them through what regular buy-downs look like for just buying your interest rate down permanently. When you're talking to a first-time home buyer that will have a large loan amount, and you're talking about what makes more sense to spend the closing costs on, is it what are people going with more? Is it a two-one buy down, or are they doing a permanent buy down more often? The two-one buy down. Really? Yeah, and for the reason that most people are under the belief that rates will come down. So it's a gamble. So they're gambling. It is a little bit of a gamble, but it's not like doing an arm. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. So you, your rate's fixed. You know where it's going to go. You, you can see where it's, what's going to happen. You're just stepping up into it. Mm-hmm. The goal is that even if it, that didn't work out, are you going to be better at your job a year from now and two years from now? Are you going to get some kind of a pay raise? Is it, you know what I mean? So most likely the answer is yes. Right. And so it should. you have two more years to pay stuff off that other stuff off. So you should be able to seeing what your, the future is laid out for you. It's, you. You know what's coming. So if... If you're budgeting properly, 
that you know 12 months from now what's going to happen. You know 24 months from now what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So even if that rate didn't drop, you already know what's happening, right? So you can budget accordingly. So that's why you're taking a little bit of a gamble because you already know what's coming, but you really do believe that rates are going to drop. And you believe it in your but heart. But most do. In your heart of hearts. But most do. I mean, yeah. if you watch from any you know major news network, even to ones on this side or this side of the spectrum, they all say the same thing when it comes to this. Yeah, but we can't trust either of them, of course. No. <laughs> uh, so, all right, so you said it's 2.5% to do the 2-1? Roughly. Roughly. So 2.5% is what you need just for the 2-1 buy-down. And then if you're doing an FHA loan, you need 3% for just your closing costs. So you're at 5.5% of the purchase price. Depends on your FHA. So 2% is going to be your normal closing cost if you're not paying a one-point origination fee, like with the Washington bond, which is one of the zero down. Okay. So they charge a 1% origination fee. Right. So that way you're going to need your 2% plus your 1%. But then it gets more complicated because there's... They give you four percent, not three and a half, so it's actually two and a half percent for the Washington bond okay. closing costs. Two percent for normal closing costs, roughly, if you're just coming in with your own three and a half percent down payment. Okay. All right. So after all that's being said, if you want to do a two one buy down and you're using FHA, you're gonna need about five percent yeah, two and a half of and the two purchase price. Four and a half percent, correct. So you're gonna need your down payment. Let's talk about a four hundred thousand dollar house, which is entry level for our area in Vancouver, yeah, so Washington. Three and a half percent down. So you need three and a half percent down. That's yep. going to be 14. fourteen, and then you're going to need five percent in closing costs. So and that's 20. twenty grand. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that can come from the seller. Yep. I'm just trying to. So you're at thirty-four total if you add all that up. Yep. Minus whatever you're going to get out of the seller. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. That it's a good People amount of cash. That. It's a good amount of cash. People have it, and you can really milk the seller for it because they're getting <clears> a little more desperate. Uh, the starter home price range around that four hundred grand range is still moving, just because people, yep. you know, they still need that. Um, they make rent, great rentals, of course, too. Mm-hmm. They don't always cash flow with interest rates, but it just depends on your down payment. But yeah, just trying to line up the numbers for our, our viewers, what that mm-hmm. looks like. With as long as it's moving ready. Sure. Yeah. Sure. There's always that too. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's not. Yeah. <laughs> talking about FHA, so we're talking about owner occupied only for at least the first year. True. Yep. So yeah, gotta remember that. What no, else? that was a good. That's a great question. Um, so technology. Let's talk about technology. Okay. How do you are you using much technology in your business right now? As far as like uh, social media or CRM, you have a website. Yes. So yeah. I have a website, and that is where I will advertise single property listings to. I'll advertise my own listings. Uh, whenever I put out content, I'll try to put in the comments, I'll plug my website. Um, and that's where, you know, you can go to register and get a listing alert set up for what you want to buy. So yeah, that's the technology I use. Um, I'll also do some paid advertising on Facebook. And other than that, it's me manually putting out content on Facebook and Instagram. Making the calls. Yeah, making my calls is the, the main money maker. Um, I'm, I'm looking at ways to leverage right now. I haven't hired a virtual assistant yet, but I'm, I'm getting on that train. Um, it needs to be done because I just don't have the time to advertise every listing I have the ability to, um, and that would really help. Uh, well, AI might be able to take care of that problem for you before too long. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that would be sure. very nice. I, I built several AI assistants over the last couple weeks. Okay. And it's uh, <laughs> scary. Coming along? 
it's scary what it can do. Yeah, it's absolutely scary. Do you, are you using any kind of AI right now? Not yet. No? Um, just what you and I have talked about already is, you know, on the on the plate of things to do. Um, obviously, everyday things need to be done before I can start branching out. But that is, I would say, one of my limiting limiting factors is not branching out and trying new things like H- like AI and hiring the virtual assistant. I think that's what's going to take me the next level um, beyond what my own efforts are doing manually every day. It's going to take everybody to a whole different level. For sure. Like I'm telling you, AI is going to it's going to change everything, every industry, every like there's going to be a day where we're going to look back 10 years, 20 years from now and say like, oh, it was in December of 2022 is when like the space time continuum shifted. Did sure. you guys know it's a back to the future reference? Sure. Yeah. So tell us from your perspective. Where, where do you see AI fitting into this industry from the lending and real estate side in the near future? Yeah, um, I think it's going to automate a whole lot of things. Like your your assistant, like if you have a virtual assistant or mm-hmm. um, maybe like a transaction coordinator, like it's going to take the place of your transaction coordinator. Do you have a transaction coordinator right now, a TC? I do. Yeah. Uh, kind of a part-time one. Yeah. So what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to train AI to take the place of your TC and do these things for you, just automated through your phone, like you know, tell your phone, like, hey, Jarvis, I need you to send that addendum <laughs> off, or, or you email it to something and says, you know, say like file this into this for this category and to do this, you know, next thing, uh, and then remind me in two days to have the seller sign that, and it's it's just going to take care of it for you. Like everything's going to be automated. Uh, I'm looking at marketing automation right now because I think that's where that's the area where people really have a hard time. We love that. Like, Both sides. Like, yeah. So I can I can create a persona and say like my name is Devin Roma, loan officer at Cardinal Financial, uh, and I need six pieces of content to go out over the course of the next two weeks, uh, and I want to center it on the three two one buy down program to help first time home buyers get into their first house. It's going to go out and research all that for you, and then come back. It's going to give me posts rather that are ready to go. And then it just sends it back to you. It says, are you good to go? And you just say, that one, that one, that one, send. And then it just cues them out for you. It's Yeah, that's that's pretty wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's already happening. I'm already doing that. Yeah. So um, it's just going to get more advanced and, and better and fine-tuned. The, what do you think the, that's going to do to the industry, though? Do you think it's going to create jobs? Do you think it's going to get rid of jobs? Do you think it's just going to shift jobs elsewhere? What do you think it's going to do? I think it's going to shift jobs elsewhere. Technology usually does that. Okay. You know, when the internet came out, the internet put me out of a job, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew that. Like, I worked in printing and graphics for 20 years. The internet came out, and people could go to Vistaprint and get 150 business cards for 10 bucks. Sure. Right? Yeah. My company, it cost them 300 bucks for the same cards. So they were like, oh, I'm just going to go to the internet now. And phew, the market crashed. The printing industry crashed and forced me out of a job. So, But what it did is it gave me the opportunity to go find a job in another sector based off the experience that I already had. Okay. So um, so the answer is yes, it's going to replace a lot of jobs. It's going to create a lot of jobs too at the same time. Um, but I, I think not just real estate. I think every industry, especially lending, is probably going to be transformed as well. I can see that lending. So what I've been thinking about, because I've heard people talk about it, is on the real estate side, between listing agent and buyer agent. Like, I mean, if you get enough of Pull this, that mic a little closer. If you get enough of this AI going out there, where you know somebody can just go online and list something, and then just with, with technology in general, not necessarily just AI, but that 
do you need a buyer's agent or a listing agent or can it just be like one agent because you can scan your ID, you, it sets up a time to go in and show the home. There's cameras all over the home, it sees the people walk through the home. So, you know, it, you could put these safety checks in line to make sure nobody's gonna walk in and steal your stuff, right? So, I mean, do you need somebody to open the door and look around? Is that job gonna be here? I think so. so. Why? Because people are, they're always going to need the personal touch. Like, I don't think a real estate agent is ever going to be replaced by AI. Maybe a fraction of them, it's the people who don't want to talk to anybody. Like, you go to McDonald's, you order something from McDonald's, you don't even have to talk to anybody anymore. You can walk in, order your thing, you walk up to the counter, you pick it up, you walk out the door. You don't mm -hmm. even have to say anything mm -hmm. to anybody. And But that's for ordering a cheeseburger. This, this is a half a million dollar huge decision. You kind of need somebody to advocate for you. Maybe. I just don't know where it's going to go from here because I'm looking at the same thing for me. Like, am I going to be out of a job? You know what I mean? In the loan officer role. Like, is AI going to be, you know, like Rocket Mortgage 10 years ago or whatever they said, push button, get loan. I mean, obviously it didn't do that, but it's going in that direction. Like, the more of this that can get automated, are people just going to be able to just go get a loan and not need someone like me? And I, I do think both ways. Like, some people are going to be like, this is the biggest decision of my life. I'm not going to trust some computer algorithm to... Let me know if I'm going to be able to close on this day or not. Yeah. You know, but I think some people will. And so I just don't know what the percentage of the market is that would be willing to alleviate or eliminate you and me's and the people that are going to be, you know, wanting to keep us. Well, hopefully we've made enough money where we can just sit on a beach and <laughs> <laughs> smoke. A Future newbie. generations. Yeah, yeah. You know, sit on the beach and, and watch the money being rolled in, you know, from somebody else. But I, I don't I don't see that happening in our sector anytime soon. There's always going to be a small percentage of people too. that I think are okay with it, but I think by and large, you, you need that human intervention at some point. And I think people are, are going to be less trusting of computers and they're more trusting of somebody that they've established a relationship with. That I can totally agree with. So but what do you think about I think it's definitely not going to replace us as a whole. Uh, I think it will take a lot of the tasks off our plate. Um, one of the things I find really interesting is AI's ability to fill out a purchase contract would be pretty neat, mm. um, but it's still going to be prompting, you know, you either fill in the blanks on the physical contract or you fill in the blanks from the AI's prompts. Mm. So you're still going to be writing contracts. You're still going to be putting them all together, making sure that you're not leaving something out that's going to really hurt your client, sure. you know? So I, I really don't think that AI is going to replace my occupation at all. I think... Uh, if I'm a seller and I live in the house, there's no one's going to scan a key card and I'm not going to trust, I'm not going to install a bunch of cameras to keep an eye on people looking at my house either. So I'm going to put away all my valuables and I'm going to know there's a licensed professional taking the buyers around that they're not stealing things or damaging anything. So yeah, the personal touch on my side of things I think is really important for people. For lending, I, I mean, I, th I think you can have a lot of your tasks taken over by AI as well, but people yeah, sped mm -hmm. up but, and made make your job more efficient. I think the high producers and the people that really know what they're doing, they're not going anywhere. But if you don't have a good network built and you're not a go-getter, you know, it's going to be easy for people that are taking advantage of AI and being more efficient to take market share and eventually your job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I'd have to agree with Larry here. I don't think that AI is going to take our jobs. I think it'll make it more efficient. I hope so. Yeah. And, the, and the, the ones who 
are less experienced or not utilizing it or their companies aren't utilizing it are probably going to be replaced. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. A uh, good example I heard recently was like the travel industry. You know what I mean? Like when the internet came out and Expedia and all those things came out, like the whole travel industry went, a lot of people, they were okay with switching to that. And that's still a pretty complex thing to organize all that stuff. And over time, people were, ended up being okay with it. You know, not if you have 20 people and you're going to go make these eight stops, but you know, you still use travel agent. But if you're just going from here to Vegas for the weekend, you know, if I was just picking up a 20% down rental property, I had, you know, 800 credit score, 20% in the bank. And I, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying it could go either way. I know there's always a sector that is going to want the personal touch for sure. And, and somebody double check everything, make sure I'm, do, I'm doing this right. Or I don't believe in my ability to trust the technology either. Mm -hmm. So I want one of us to be able to make sure it goes, 100%. goes well. So I, I do think there's going to be that, but I, I do believe that we're going to lose a percentage of our business to AI. And just the, just the bad ones. Yeah. Just well, and even if it's not the bad ones, the, the percentage is how many of us are also going to go away. So it's, it could be the same market share that we have. You know what I mean? Even if, if we lose 10%, but 10% of the people go away, do we still have the same, you know, we have right. the same net result at the end of the year, same amount of clients. So I still think like exactly what you're saying, the professionals are going to be fine, but the dabblers, the part-timers or the unprofessional people or the people that just refuse to accept the changes, yeah, you know, 100%. people that dinosaur out, yeah. they're going to literally be, they're going to be gone. But the people that are willing to at least research it, adapt as much as they can, adopt as much as they can, and keep an open mind to this stuff because it's coming, whether oh. you like it or not. You know, it's here. You know, yeah. so those who are willing to at least pay attention and move forward in that direction, I think, right. if if professional, will be fine. What I worry about more than anything is the scams are going to get more complex. Oh yeah, and they already are. They are super elaborate and I think AI is just going to exacerbate that. They're going to get even more scary and more complex where somebody can mimic your voice because they have your voice on yep. a YouTube video and they can mimic your voice and somebody can spoof a call to your client and say like, hey, uh, I'm about to go out of cell reception but I need you to go to the bank and wire five grand and I'll send you email instructions. Yeah. You know, And it sounds like your voice. Totally. So, I mean, that's the kind of things. And I think, but that's where education comes in. We have to kind of educate ourselves about it. So mm -hmm. yeah. it would become so common that educating your client about AI scams will be common too. Mm -hmm. So there's everyone's going to adapt on each side. Yep. Have you have you been uh, tried to get scammed yet? No. Usually it's the really common one. It'll come from my designated broker Shelly and say, "Hey, I'm busy. Can you do me a favor?" And that's obvious. It's a fish. Every time. Uh, one an agent gets one of these texts we send that off to shelly and she'll send out a broker-wide email hey this is what's happening out here just watch out for this it's not me texting you because it mm -hmm. you know it doesn't come from her number it'll or it'll be uh from another agent's like social media like hey how are you and it's such like a weird thing to get because you never talk to them you know so <laughs> yeah. there's like super obvious scams and then they are becoming more elaborate and more personal um but yeah, those are the ones I get the most often right now is just a text that says it's the person I should be trusting when it's clearly not. Right. Um, and then uh, what you'll see is a lot of warnings from escrow and title companies. They'll say wire fraud is on the rise. We'll never ask you for any banking information. Before you wire any funds, call us to confirm. You know, So you're not wiring your $90,000 down payment to someone that isn't the title company, right. sure. which would be a nightmare. I can't even imagine. Oh, my God. I have a house for my family. Oh, wait, I don't. And exactly. I also don't have any money. <laughs> I know. I know. Yep. 
And Brutal. now you're not going to close. Yeah. And good luck trying to get that money back. Yeah. No, you're not getting yeah. it back. Well, the good news is, is there's plenty of tents to, you know, put up, I guess. It's a whole other sad story yeah. to deal with. Yeah. But I, I do, I think that's what worries me is I'm, it's nice that you haven't been attempted to scam yet because I know several agents who have been knee deep in it and I know. Close I know, to closing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. What happens? Title uh, company found the one. If you're thinking, talking about the one I'm thinking you're talking yep. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Title company found it right before. Yep. Found what? That it was uh, not legitimate and that they were they were a, a bad we call them a bad actor seller. yeah a bad actor it was a fraudulent seller yeah that was trying to sell some land oh that they did I not did own. see that yeah I've seen yeah. an example of that Ooh. yeah and they're like yeah come check it out make an offer they give you a good deal come up with whatever excuse I got to sell it under price I got to get rid of it quick you think you're getting a good deal you're buying this land and this, you're it's not even them yeah you know so. Scary. Yeah, you definitely got to pay attention. It goes back to what your your mom had told you your whole life. You know, it sounds too good to be true. It probably is. Probably you know what is. I mean? So you just got to be extra diligent these days. Triple check. Yep, triple check. Cool. Uh, all right. Last question. If you somebody was coming into real estate today and they got their license last week, what was what's one piece of advice you'd give them right away? What's the first thing? I would tell them to do what I did because it worked for me. But there's a million ways to swing a dead cat. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say join a productive team, and that would involve in interviewing multiple teams because uh, there are teams that'll that accept buyers agents and just kind of run through them, and then you know they expect a lot and don't provide the resources. I've I've had friends join teams and it just doesn't work out for one reason or another. So I would interview teams and join a highly productive one because they, you know, you could start out jogging or you can just hop on the moving train and they'll feed you leads. They'll tell you what to do with them. They'll send you on appointments and they'll take you from contract to close. So joining a team is a super good idea because you're not going to know what to do when you're licensed. You don't know how to advertise yourself in a way that will give people trust, you know, towards you. Um, and so beyond joining a team, um, they're going to tell you how to lead generate. And that means doing open houses. That means getting people's contact information and making sure to put it in your database and follow up with consistency. Um, one thing that you'll notice if you don't make your calls for a year, you go out and you call those people, you'll run into, you know, 20 deals you didn't get, 10 or 20 deals. And yeah, it stings because those are five to $15,000 each. Um, so that is the lesson to be learned is to be consistent with your follow-up, put everybody in your database, learn from people that know how to do what you want to do. So, you know, find mentors, find a coach, make friends with other realtors that are really productive, ask what they're doing. Um, you know, see if you can get any of the wind from their sales into yours. Um, so open houses, make your calls, go to the office, get mentors. But not door knocking. Go door knock, whatever. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of different ways to make money. You can you can spend all your money on search engine optimization. You can spend all your money on social media advertising. Um, you can spend every day of the week at open houses if you want. There's a lot of different ways to, to make money. And so many avenues. Yeah, and there's a lot of the uh, the, the pie to go around. Partner yeah. with a loan officer. Mm-hmm. A loan officer will help. A good one will. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they can assist you with open houses. They can uh, help with marketing costs. They can help with marketing ideas. And uh, if you get a really good loan officer, they'll have their own leads to send your way, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Uh, having a loan officer that has leads to send you is really rare. So if you find one of those, you know, hang on to them for dear life because, you know, obviously they're getting they're going to need business for many other realtors. And if they're choosing to send their business to you, that means a lot. So and our goal here at KFA is to help Cardinal get those leads ahead of time so that we're kind of heading off the pass of so if somebody's looking for a house instead of going to a real estate agent first or maybe going to an open house first they go to a loan officer first so they kind of have that guide and once once and then we can disseminate to then, our referral partners yeah, and then yep. you can say like hey you know you know who you'd vibe with you'd vibe with jeff really really good exactly. so let me introduce you so that but that's that's kind of our goal here is to is to develop a platform where we're farming those leads that's been our biggest here. problem since day one is because we get most of our leads from agents. Yep. And so, so working this angle with KFA's huge focus of trying to get us to get them first. Yep. To give back to you guys was just it's amazing. So, if we pull it off successfully, which I mean, there's no better team to how we. There's no better team to do it than the team we have. So, what do you think my AI is gonna do, man? Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying if because it hasn't officially happened all the way yet, but it's we're there. Yeah, so, and who better to know what realtor to send the people to? Like, you're firsthand 100%. in it. You're working with all kinds of agents. You used to be an agent. Yep. How long have you been in real estate and mortgage together? I started in 05, did lending for six months, and then Brian Combs pulled me over to Keller Williams. So I was there five years. Did a little bit of lending in that time because you could still do both, and then came back to this in 2012 full-time. And just this, so. Well, you went through the war. Oh yeah, yeah. This isn't my first rodeo. Second, I went from rock star to rock bottom in 24 hours flat, man. It was unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable, man. I was just balling, you know. Had I just, I was a kid, you know, it was just kind of dumb. But I thought it was me. I thought I was that awesome. I didn't know the market was that awesome. I'm like, I'm really good at this real estate. I'm really good at this stuff. Well, it was the market that was just in my favor. And so I bought the Escalade. Yeah, I was going to say the Escalade, right? Yeah. Put the 24s on there. Put some Ds on it. In escrow on my license plate. Ooh. I thought I was just the coolest thing ever. Just one, sh you know, just this much shy of the spinners. You know what I mean? I was almost there, you know? And so, and then, you know, I ended up selling my Rolex to pay rent. Wow. During 08. That's, yeah. The Rolex that I financed, by the way. Because I was, that's how cool I was. Yeah, back then. So financed the whole thing, ended up selling it to pay rent. I mean, just the most humbling experience ever. So this go around, not at all. I learned from my mistakes, became a totally different person, saved, invested, stayed humble. <laughs> Bought a Casio instead Don't of even Rolex. Have <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, yeah, driving a Hyundai, loving yep. it. You know what I mean? It's paid in full, you know. Win the Super Bowl, drive off in a Hyundai. Yeah, right? totally different world, man. Yeah. Just totally different world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, you're driving a Hyundai? I got to find a different mortgage officer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and guess what? I'm still here and the others aren't yeah, because they drive a Hyundai. There you, you know, go. For one good, of the reasons. It's a good point. But <laughs> what I was getting at is you've been through it, and if, if people are coming to you to find a realtor, you're going to know who to send them to. Absolutely. You're not going to send them to a schmuck or someone that's not available or won't answer their phone. Totally. And that's really all you got to do is be consistent, answer your phone, and show up to your appointments. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I meet with a real estate agent, and I'm we're talking strategy or marketing, and their phone rings, I always tell them to answer it. Oh, you probably should answer that. And 
you can tell the, the ones that are like, okay, yeah, cool, thanks. You know, you give them permission to answer it. And yeah. They're like, oh, okay, good. Yeah. It might, it might be missing a deal, you know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, answer your phone. That's the moral of the story. Answer your phone. We'll end on that. Sweet. <laughs> answer your phone. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks Thank for you. coming. Thanks, Devin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do this again. Sounds good. And when the market comes back. The market's here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're out. <laughs>